welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. morning everyone welcome welcome i am so excited to be joining with you in this beautiful air-conditioned building praise jesus and (laughs) welcome to everyone who's joining us online i hope that wherever you are you also have air conditioning because we all know we need it so um over the summer we have been doing a series called summer salsa a little bit spicy a little bit tangy a little bit out there um and to keep the spice in my life Um, because what's a chill summer? I spent last week out at Camp Nackman speaking to their junior high and senior high camp, which was so much fun. There was about 160 campers, uh, in total 180 people that I was speaking to. Uh, So much fun. And part of camp and the camp experience is campfire songs, uh, which is like the best. But the weird culture out at Camp Nackman, I don't know about other summer camps, is that everyone has like their song and you don't do someone else's campfire song and like you do your campfire song and if you do someone else's like you gotta watch out but so when I worked out at Camp Nackman many years ago uh, my campfire song was a song called fire 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 and it goes late last night when we were all in bed old lady Leary left the lantern in the shed when the cow kicked it over, she winked her eye and said, it will be hot time, hot time in the old town tonight. Amen. <laughs> and so <laughs> with this campfire song, you start at like a normal pace and you kind of like sing it and you slowly get quieter and quieter and quieter until the last time you're doing it, you're really just like. And then you end up yelling fire, fire, fire. And the really cool thing about Camp Nackman, actually, is where the campfire is located, and so it's that circle on the map, um, is right on the edge of the bay of the lake. And so when you yell, when you have almost 200 people yelling fire, 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 not only do you scare the neighbors, but the sound echoes and bounces across the top of the water. You can actually hear it echo all the way around. I don't understand the science behind it, uh, but it happens, and it's really, really cool to experience. But so when I worked at Nackman, I was doing some research, some information on uh, morning devotions. And so I was looking up this guy named Horatio Spatford, who eventually wrote the song, well, he he did write the song, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. That is who he was. And I was like looking it up. And part of his story is the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. And the rumor with the Great Chicago Fire is that old lady Leary left a lantern in the shed and a cow kicked it over. I don't think the cow winked its eye and said um, anything else, but I didn't realize that this song had a significantly deeper meaning to it. And I was like, oh, that's fun. That's interesting. Little did I know the deeper connection. Like earlier this summer when I decided to preach on Jonah, I didn't realize the deeper connection beyond Veggie Tales. And when I decided I was going to preach on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
I also knew that there would probably be a deeper connection than just chocolate bunnies. And so I do want to recognize my two sermons do relate to very primary VeggieTale songs and VeggieTale stories. So um, apparently VeggieTales was very influential in my life. But so today we are looking at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which can be found in the book of Daniel, specifically in Daniel 3. And the book of Daniel is a book that is rich and full of stories of God's sovereignty and faithfulness to his people, even during exile. And so for those who don't really know much about Old Testament history, that's a-okay. There's a lot to it. And it takes a lot of time to remember everything that happened and why it happened. Um, but just a little bit of context of why they were in exile. Um, the people of God were worshiping idols and worshiping false gods. And God was like, that's not cool. And they were like, sorry, we'll try better. And they didn't try better. And so God eventually um, exiled them to Babylon. And so the book of Daniel happened specifically during the Babylonian captivity. Um, and so the people of God have been exiled uh, so that they can continue to learn that idolatry and rebelling against God isn't cool and not great. And so here we are in the book of Daniel, looking at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But who are these three young men? We know that they're friends of Daniel. And because of Daniel, they got a pretty sweet gig in the um, affairs of the province of Babylon. They were Jewish men working for the enemy. And they were doing a really good job because people were talking about them. And that's all we really know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so this morning, we'll be exploring the question of where is God in the fire? Because, spoiler alert, there's fire in this story. And I want to take some time this morning to talk about the fire. Or, as Hunter mentioned, the storm. Uh, him and I haven't talked at all this morning, so... It's completely the Holy Spirit working this morning um, through us to talk about the seasons of life that seem like they're too much. You know, the fiery season where everything's all-consuming and it just, it's unrelenting and it never stops and it keeps going and you can never feel like you get a break. Life just isn't going great and then your boss decides to move to Saskatchewan to teach and then you commit to too many things all at once and you feel like you're running around with your, like a chicken with its head cut off, and then you end up cutting yourself when you're trying just to make a nice watermelon snack and you end up in the emergency room instead of sitting at home, relaxing. <sighs> fine. And then, and then, and then, you get sick on your first real vacation in a year. And it just keeps going. And it never stops. You know that fire. <laughs> and I'm assuming your fire looks a little bit different but I feel like a lot of us are going through a fiery season where it's just unrelenting and it keeps going. And you ask yourself, God, where are you in this fire? And the first place we can find God is in the quiet. So let's open our Bibles, whether you have a paper copy or a digital copy. Uh, if you're looking for a paper copy, we have some along the back, they're bright blue. And so we are going to Daniel 3, and we are starting in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then 
King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the seraphs, the perfect, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justice, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then all these people and all the officials of the province gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bag, pipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard all the sounds of the music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at a certain time, a certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of all this music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Okay. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar has set up this huge statue, which in measurements that we actually understand is 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. I don't fully understand how it's still standing because it doesn't, science doesn't make sense there. But it's this huge statue set up in a plane. It's a very much so in-your-face event that's going on. In a plane full of nothing like Saskatchewan, all of a sudden, this huge statue is set up. It would be very much so in-your-face. Plus, there was loud music. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to distract the people from what they were doing and make them come to a halt and bow down and worship him. And, like, I think King Nebuchadnezzar is on to something here. And, like, not in a good way, because the enemy, but like, he's on to something here. He wanted to distract the people. He wanted to have a loud noise that grabs their attention. A fun little statistic for you. If you work in an office job or something of that sort where you like work at a computer, obviously you type at a computer like this, um, but if you work at a <laughs> computer and you're typing away doing your thing, and a coworker or someone walks into your office space, whether they are to talk to you about something work-related, ask you if you're going for lunch, or share personal drama, um, it can take up to eight minutes once they leave for you to refocus your attention. Eight full minutes. So for some people, it's a little bit less time because they're more focused. For individuals like me who have squirrel brain, it takes probably close to eight minutes for me to be like, oh yes, back to the task that I was doing. And so I, I really do think King Nebuchadnezzar was onto something. He wanted to distract the people. He wanted noise, to use noise to get them to gather and worship his golden image. And I think people today still use noise as a distraction. In 2019, Canadians uh, spent a quarter of their week consuming online audio. This included radio, podcasts, and music. A quarter of their week was spent consuming online information. This, this statistic, this little research thing I found, did not include Netflix, HBO Max, Disney Plus, 
Amazon Prime, all of that stuff, which can also be used as an online auditory distraction. And I think it's because we don't like the quiet. I know I don't. When I'm at home, I always have Netflix or music or something playing in the background. And to contrast this, we can find God in the quiet. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are quiet in this initial portion of the story. They actually haven't even spoken yet. And there's noise all around them. There, people are talking about them, but they're quiet. And spoiler alert, they actually don't say much throughout this entire story. They're pretty quiet. But quiet can be uncomfortable. I don't know about you. If you've ever like gone on a business meeting with someone you've never met, maybe a first date, whatever, you meet up with someone, and like you're sitting there drinking your coffee, conversation's going really well, you're like, yeah, this is good, this is good. And then you hit that quiet moment, and you go, I'm never going to recover from this. This conversation cannot continue. How are we going to get past this? I don't know what's going to happen. And there's that awkward moment of just like you're staring at the other person, and they're staring at you. And then finally someone continues on in the conversation. You get past the quiet. You get past the awkward. Um, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And when you don't, you just get a great sermon illustration. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't run away from the quiet. They seek it out even in the loud. If anything, they turn and run away from the loud. The noise that was being made was a signal for the people in Babylon to fall and worship the idol. And it wasn't beautiful music. It was confusing, loud, and crowded. Scholars actually say that King Nebuchadnezzar literally went, hey, musicians, come together and just play. Just, I just need you to play. And after being at junior high camp where they had a music option, when you just gather a whole bunch of people together and tell them to play, it's not beautiful music. It's, it's not great. Not at all. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that disobedience and false worship happens in the confusing, loud, and crowded. These three men knew the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law. And they had heard the stories of those who didn't listen to God and keep his command. For Pete's sake, they, their people had been exiled because of idol worship. They knew that falling down and worshiping this golden image was not good. They knew that they should not bow down to worship this false image. And I'm going to take a little bit of creativity, creative liberty here and say that when they weren't worshiping this false image, they were instead worshiping God and that they knew they could find him in the quiet. Jesus also took time to be in the quiet and worship God. And we see this all over the Gospels. Jesus sought out the Father in the quiet. And I think the most interesting time was in Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46 in the Garden of Gethsemane. Passover was happening in Jerusalem, and this was supposed to be a time of great celebration. People were around them celebrating the Passover. This was a time of celebration. Yet, he didn't let the loudness and the distractions take away from his quiet time with the Lord. Sitting in the quiet can be uncomfortable, just like I said before, especially when you really don't know the person. But once you get to know them, it makes it so much easier and more comfortable. I encourage you to take time to sit in the quiet with the Lord. It's uncomfortable at first. Set a timer. Start small. Start with 30 seconds of just taking time to reflect on Jesus and what he's done for you. And then slowly build that. 
and then soon enough, 10 minutes will seem like not enough time. Let's continue reading in Daniel 3, starting at verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into the fiery bird burning fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace be heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of these mighty, some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because of the king's order was urgent, the furnace was overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar said, either bow down and worship me, or go into the fiery furnace. What do you, what do you choose when it's two sides of a terrible coin? What do you do? They knew that they couldn't bow down and worship this false image. They knew the stories of the Torah. They knew the stories of the golden calf. And the entire reason that the Israelites were in exile is because of idol worship. They had to make a choice. And they did in verse 17 and 18. They. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The three of them together. When I worked out at Nachman, one of my best friends also worked out there. Uh, her name's Jill. And the two of us were always seen together. If you saw one without the other, you immediately had to find the other one and reunite us so that we could be together. Um, it got to the point where our program director would be like, hey, I need one person to go do this very simple task. And both of us would go together. Um, I'm sure that the program director was incredibly unimpressed, but the two of us went together for everything and did everything together. We don't hear one without the other two. We don't really hear much about just Shadrach or just Abednego or just Meshach. But you can find God in community. And that's what they did. They knew that the fire was in inevitable and they had, they had disobeyed the king which meant that they were to be thrown into the fire but they had each other. In these 10 verses, verses 13 to 23, when I'm talking about community specifically, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their names come up seven times. And for those Bible nerds like me, we know that seven is a holy number. And in Hebrew, it means fullness or completeness. And I firmly believe that in the section of in, on community, there is fullness in community. 
and it's not just a clink-a-dink that it happens to all line up and work perfectly for my sermon, but I think God is really intentional for us as readers to take note of how important community really is. And while I'm briefly talking about community here, in a month from now, you can come back and hear me talk about community in our Five Marks of Disciple series. So you should come back then, and I will talk more about it then. But back to Daniel 3. In the fire, God is in community. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all go together. They rep while they represent the, all the Jews during this season, they knew that they had each other. They answered King Nebuchadnezzar all together. King Nebuchadnezzar's rage was against all three. All three fell into the furnace together. They had each other. Even though I do think that this story could have been done with just one, I think it still would have had the very, very similar impact. But instead, they were an example of community for us today. And they didn't have blind trust in each other either. They knew and had proven that they were there for each other. On the internet a few years ago, there was this wonderful trend that people would just go up to a group of people and be like, trust fall, and would just fall back into another group of people. It was ridiculous to say the least. But um, with the trust fall, the goal is to see who would actually catch you and who wouldn't catch you. And sometimes those people that would be like, trust fall, and like fall into a group of people, sometimes they were caught. Other times they landed on their butt on the ground. And yes, I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have done this to each other and they would have been caught. They would have caught each other and this wouldn't have actually really proven anything. They knew deep in their souls that God would do his will and having each other around was what helped build that trust and faith. Jesus was, had another great example of community as well. He had his 12 disciples, which we hear a lot about, but he also had his inner three, Peter, James, and John. If we go back to that, mess, that passage in Matthew 26, looking specifically at verse 37, um, Jesus knows he needs his closest friends with him to pray for him and be by his side. And he actually brought these people with him everywhere. They didn't leave each other's side for three years. But the question of how do you find community in the fire? It's a good question. It's a fair question. You gotta find like-minded believers. Paul talks about not being unequally yoked or unequally partnered with an unbeliever in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. And this isn't something to take lightly. To find friends that can keep Paisley yoked as one person will start to pull the other person ahead while the other person drags behind. Sometimes it happens the other way. The other person that's dragging behind will pull the other person back. But if they're pulling each other back, then they're not moving forward. And this can cause tension and trouble, usually leading to hurt and brokenness. Proverbs talks about finding good friends and what happens when you have good versus bad friends. Um, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. This is what we need to do as the body of Christ is we need to be sharpening each other. We need to be living in community to encourage and uplift each other. You gotta find the people that get you. We're at similar life stages, similar ages, similar interests and passions that can encourage you and walk with you as you continue to follow Jesus. And I know this is all like really nice and light and fluffy to say, you know, like, oh, just find like-minded believers. Well, once you find them in a community like Crosspoint, you gotta actually interact with them. 
You can't just be like, yeah, there's like people that like, I think have the same things as me. I don't, you've got to interact with them. You got to take that next step and go deeper in a relationship with them. Because to let that fire feel like less, it's best to do life with someone in a relationship with them. You can find God in community. Let's finish the rest of the story here. So looking at verse 23, that's where we're, well, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And all of the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their head was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of the fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, blessed, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I want to point out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego still went into the fire. They went in. And I'm sure God could have saved them beforehand, but instead he met them there in the appearance of an angel. And yes, there are many theories on what this means of the Son of God meeting them in the fire in the appearance of an angel. I encourage you to look that up and research it and figure out what it means to you and then go talk to Pastor Micah about it. Because that's not what I'm talking about this morning. God was in the delivery. I'm not talking about Uber Eats, Skip the Dishes, DoorDash, anything like that. I'm talking about the unexplainable miracles that are only done by God. In verse 28, King Nebuchadnezzar says how they were delivered. And the root word for this word delivered here is actually rescued. And it's, the word is always used in relation to God. It's never man rescuing themselves or man rescuing man. It is always God rescuing them. They knew that their sovereign God could be trusted to rescue them. I don't think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really wanted to go into the fire. I don't think that's what they wanted, but it happened in a truly amazing way. They had trust in knowing that God had rescued their people time and time again before them. They had the wisdom to know that if it didn't happen and they were to die in the fire, they would be martyrs of their faith and it would be a steadfast example to the rest of the nation. And while the delivery can happen relatively quickly, like it did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it doesn't happen that way for everyone else, for others. Sometimes it takes three days and dying on a, dying on a cross. 
In the previous two places that we can find God in the quiet and the community, I've been using Jesus at the garden as an example. Because I do believe that they are great examples of finding God in the quiet and finding God in community, and they support my points really well. But the story continues on here. Jesus then, from the garden, goes to face trial, where he's falsely accused. He's sentenced to death on the cross, which is the most humiliating death, and he dies. And he rises from the dead three days later to show that God rescues us, to show us how God rescues us from the fire. And I feel like we often can sometimes just like glance over, oh yes, Jesus like died on the cross and then came back and it was all good. And we kind of like glance over that. And we don't really sit and think about that and reflect on it. This, we have to remember that Jesus dying on the cross wasn't an easy peasy lemon squeezy thing for him to do. It was difficult, difficult, lemon difficult. Jesus was sweating blood. Don't get me wrong, in this heat, I have been sweating in places I didn't think could sweat, and it's been many showers, and it's been, it's been hot, and I've been stressed. But Jesus was sweating to the point of sweating blood. Jesus said to God before being arrested, not my will, but yours be done. He wasn't skipping to the cross, and he knew what was going to happen, and he knew the end plan to save the whole world, but he also had to trust in God in this process. Delivery in the fire isn't easy, but God is in it. Now to take you back to the story of Horatio Spatford. So while his property wasn't damaged in the Great Chicago Fire, um, his family was pretty shaken up by the whole ordeal. And so they decided to go on a vacation a few years later to Europe. And so Horatio's wife and their four daughters went ahead of them because uh, Horatio got held up with work. However, the steamship that his wife and four kids were traveling on crashed into another ship in the middle of the ocean. Of the hundreds on board, Anna, Horatio's wife, was one of only 27 who were rescued, having been kept afloat by a piece of debris. Their daughters did not survive. Overcome with the despair of the loss of her children, Anna felt strongly that she had been saved for a purpose. In Chicago, Horatio received a tragic telegram from his wife, saved alone. As Horatio went to be reunited with his wife and bring her home, the captain of the ship he was on passed over top of the watery gravesite of his four daughters. And in that moment, he wrote the hymn, It is well with my soul. Horatio's fire was all-consuming. It felt like it wouldn't end. Yet he was still able to say, It is well with my soul. Crosspoint, have you taken time to sit with God in the quiet, in community, in reflection of the delivery, to look at God and say, it is well with my soul? I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know what it looks like for you. And I know it can take forever to finally feel that delivery. But God is with you in that fire. Let's pray together.
Father, I am thankful that we can look to you as an example, that we can look to your son who died on the cross for us as an example of what to do in the fiery places, in the places where it hurts. We don't know when it's going to end so that we can lean in you in the quiet and community and know that you will deliver us according to your plan and your will. And so, Father, I pray that over um, these people this morning, that they would know that they are part of your plan and your will, and you will deliver them in this fire according to your will. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.